Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Matthew. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in your wisdom, you have chosen to reveal your dear Son, Jesus, to us as our Savior, the God who comes to forgive us for all of our sins. On this day, O Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to receive your word, and we pray that you would grant us your Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Where does true wisdom come from? I know what you're probably thinking. With that question, you already know where the sermon is going. And this is one of those sermons that is probably going to get us to Jesus. And we hope that that is the case. But when it comes to this whole conversation of Jesus and wisdom, how do we come to this true wisdom? Today we're celebrating Epiphany. Again, Epiphany was the festival that took place back on January 6th. I think that was, that was Friday. Uh, but we are celebrating it here uh, today. And when we celebrate Epiphany, we focus in on the wise men, right? These, these wise men who came to see Jesus. And we think there is the key to wisdom. Just be like the wise men. We get all excited because now we get to use our new favorite uh, uh, Hallmark Christmas or Epiphany card. I know you guys all buy Epiphany cards, uh, which says, wise men still seek him. And it's all so wonderful. And we look at these wise men and we say, that is the model of wisdom. That is what it means to be wise, to seek after Jesus. So we should be like the wise men. And it's all lovely, except that it's not really that accurate. At least not at first. These so-called wise men are anything but, if you actually really look in on the passage here, and actually, it's really remarkable to me just how wrong we get these wise men. First off, now, now I don't want to upset anybody. I love the performance by the bell choir today. It was very good. Uh, they, but they played We Three Kings. And it turns out they weren't kings at all. What's more, we don't know how many of them there were. We got three gifts, but we don't know how many people showed up. It could have been like 15 non-kings who were there, all right? So it could have we 15 non-kings. That'd be a nice thing for the bell choir to play next week. I don't know. Um, you've got this, so you don't know how many there are. They're not kings. And also, just to ruin all of your nativity scenes, they don't show up the same night as the shepherds. Uh, it is very likely that they don't show up until maybe two years after the birth of Jesus. So, uh, so now you have to take all your nativity scenes down, you see. Like, we get all of this wrong because none of this is in the text. What we find is that these quote-unquote wise men also aren't even that wise. The Bible translates the word here, wise men, but really it should be translated magi. Magi, get, think of the word magician. And who were the magi? Well, the magi were typically advisors to pagan kings. And where would these advisors to the pagan kings get their advice? By divining it from the stars, by reading tea leaves, by reading uh, the blood spilled out by animals. This is where they would go uh, to figure out uh, the truths that they were to advise the kings with. And we actually see these sort of magi all throughout the Old Testament. You see them in the book of Genesis, like with Joseph, or you see them uh, in the book of Daniel, or you even see them in the book of Esther. And what you find is that when these quote-unquote wise men, these magi show up, they're always getting everything wrong. One, they never know the right thing to say to the king. And two, they're always putting their faith and their trust 
in the wrong thing. So if these guys aren't wise, if there's, we don't know how many of them there are, and they're not really kings, how are we to think about this story? What's really going on here? Well, what we find today is that what the Magi do is that the Magi are going to Magi, and they're going to get everything wrong. See, it kind of works like this. Far from being wise in their search for Jesus, instead of seeing the star rise and then studying the scriptures to figure out where Jesus is to be born, they follow what we might call worldly wisdom. They just assume that if a king to the Jews is going to be born, he's going to be born in the Jewish kingdom, in the palace of the king, in, uh, to the family of the reigning Jewish king, or something like this. So instead of searching the scriptures, they instead follow their assumption, and they go to Jerusalem, to the house of Herod. Now, at this point, we, we do need to give these magi a little bit of credit. I mean, this is a rather surprising account that we find these, these pagan Gentile stargazers actually showing up at all. I mean, they are not wise in their search for Jesus, but at least they have come to look for the king of the Jews and pay homage to him. If they're not wise in their searching, what are we to say about somebody like, I don't know, Herod? Or the other people living in Jerusalem at the time, who not only are unaware and ignorant about the birth of this child, but when they hear of it, they're frightened. All of Jerusalem is terrified of this news. Everyone wants to flee from this news. At least the Magi go looking for him. The foolish pagans hear no more uh, of this birth of this Jesus than the Jews do at the time. So Herod has to figure things out. So what does he do? He calls together his wise men. He calls together the chief priests and the, 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 those who know the law, who know the word of God. And only now does any wisdom show up in our text. It's only now when they open the word of God that they finally come to some sort of truth, the actual truth. And they find that this baby was going to be born not in Judea, not in Jerusalem, I should say, but in Bethlehem of Judah, the small shepherding town. So now we see, once this word is proclaimed, the height of foolishness. Because Herod gets this information, and he realizes he can use it to maintain his power. So he seeks for a way now. He starts to plot how he's going to kill this child. But he hides this information from the quote-unquote wise men. He says to them, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring word to me that I may too come and worship him. Foolishly trusting this Herod, these magi go on their way to search for Jesus. But again, notice this, that it's only now when the word of God is finally opened up that we finally find true wisdom. When the word of God is handed over, then the wisdom arrives. Clearly, it is not right for us to say that these magi found true wisdom. It, rather, found them. It was only when they realized their ignorance, when they realized the vanity of their own searching, when they realized that they were in the wrong place and had no recourse, that God's word finally turned on the lights for them and turned them towards Jesus. The word became a lamp to their feet and a light to their path. It was the word that gave them true wisdom because it is God's word alone that gives us Jesus. So what we see here is something rather surprising. Not that God is rewarding these pagan stargazers for seeking Jesus, but rather that in their foolishness, 
God chose to make the pagan stargazers wise unto salvation. And we learn from this text today, I think, that there are really two types of wisdom for us to deal with. There's the wisdom of the world that uh, we see the sort of uh, magi exhibiting initially. And then there's the wisdom of Christ, which the world would deem as foolishness. First, let's think about this wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world is that wisdom which glories in power, in wealth, and in success. It seeks for ways to lord itself over others and to gain more prestige and notoriety. It's the one that sees uh, a powerful king and a powerful palace and a powerful city and says that must be where God is located. I mean, Herod was actually, by all accounts, really wise if you, if you deem people wise by the world's standards. We do know he's a little paranoid, and we'll kind of talk about that in a second. But if you look at him, he had the sort of wisdom that the world celebrates. The Roman Senate had named Herod the king, and because he had proved his worth to them. One commentator says this, he was wealthy, politically gifted, intensely loyal, an excellent administrator, and clever enough to remain in the good graces of successive Roman emperors. He was uh, the mastermind behind a number of very large building projects. So there's all these wonderful buildings that Herod built, and that's something that every sort of uh, country always exalts in. Uh, even the temple, Herod uh, made uh, changes to the temple and built onto the temple to make it look even more glorious. What's more, there was a great famine in the land during his reign, and he had the wherewithal to figure out how to take care of his people in the midst of that famine. By all accounts, by the standards of worldly wisdom that we look for and exalt in our leaders, Herod was wise. Towards the end, he did get paranoid, and, you know, he did that little thing where he started murdering all of his family members because he was worried they were going to take his throne. So he did have a little bit of paranoia going on uh, in there, and Herod was also famous for a lot of murderous campaigns. But nonetheless, if you look at his sort of accomplishments, he may look wise in the eyes of the world. And yet when the word of God is opened up to him, when he sees the truth about the birth of the Savior, he becomes a complete fool. For he wanted nothing to do with this baby that would be the Savior and the King. Instead, he wanted to maintain his power and put the child to death. Herod was a fool. Now contrast this with the wisdom that comes from Christ. It is interesting if we think about the wisdom that comes from Christ, how foolish it looks in the eyes of the world. St. Paul says it this way, God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He doesn't have the baby born in some Jewish palace among powerful kings and wealthy and mighty important people, but in a shepherding village. And he doesn't have his son revealed to someone like Herod or to someone like Caesar, but we know from the Christmas account that this child is revealed to shepherds. And here now, later on, to pagan Gentile kings. Or not kings, uh, magi. You've got to correct this. Though. See, the wisdom of Christ is granted to them. And the wisdom of Christ is not a wisdom that seeks God in the glorious things of the world. This is the wisdom that does not pursue God on its own terms or try to locate God in the glorious, the powerful, the successful. But finds God in the word alone. True wisdom knows no God except for the one in the lap of Mary. 
The wisdom does not inform God of his will or his purposes or presume that our definitions of glory will capture God. Rather, true wisdom shows up before God and is silent, says nothing, and simply receives his word and hears what he has to say. So if we are talking about a model of wisdom, are, are these magi a model of wisdom for us? Well, maybe, but maybe it's probably better for us to say something like this, that these magi are the model of the sort of fools that we must become. When it comes to our faith in Christ, we must despair of our own reason, our own conclusions, our own wisdom, and bow down before the word. Like the Magi, we take the best of what we have and lay it at the feet of Jesus and worship him. And how do you best worship Jesus? By hearing his promises, by, by trusting his word, by receiving his gifts with open hands. And that's hard for us because our reason is so puffed up with pride. Our appetites are too hungry for glory and power, and our desires are too often driven by selfish greed for gain. We long to look wise in the eyes of the world. But Jesus is born in a manner that makes fools of us. He rips our wisdom away from us to tell us the truth, that like the Magi, we are hopeless and lost without his word. And it is in his wisdom, then, that he humbles us. For Jesus comes only to the humble and to the lowly. He is the God in the manger, the God whose wisdom is defined by the cross, where this God in his wisdom suffers and dies for the sins of the world, to bring salvation to the world. He doesn't lord his wisdom of his word over us to shame us, but speaks his word of wisdom to forgive us for our sins. For ours is the God who comes to <laughs> foolishly forgive sinners. And in this way, really makes fools of us all by using his word to expose us for all of our sins. And then in forgiving our sins, he gives us his gospel, which makes us the most wise of all people. For it is the foolishness of God in the manger, the foolishness of God on the cross, that is the true wisdom that we need for salvation. Christ Jesus, the true wisdom of God, who with his forgiveness and mercy makes you and I wise unto salvation and sets us down next to those foolish magi so that we cast our crowns before Jesus to do the only thing that a wise person can do, thank and praise, serve and obey. So here we find today finally true wisdom for you to stop seeking God on your own terms. Just stop and hear this. God has chosen you and I, the foolish things of the world, to shame the strong. And you and I, our foolish pursuits of worldly wisdom have been forgiven through the shed blood of this Jesus Christ. And now you have been given the word that makes you wise unto salvation. That your sins are forgiven. For Christ Jesus has come to save you. That is true wisdom. Amen. We pray. We give you thanks, Heavenly Father, that you have sent us your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us to despair of our own wisdom and help us to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Trusting in your word above all things. 
Grant us such wisdom and such faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Having heard the word of our Lord, I invite you to...